Willem knows his time is short. With his college in ruins and his work unfinished, he retires to his lunarium, gazing at the moonlight reflected in the lake and listening for the voices of the great ones. As a youth, Willem developed a fascination with the natural world. This led him to pursue an academic career in the natural sciences, and he rose through the ranks to become the provost of Birkenworth, better known as Dignity City U. In the latter years of Willem's life, Birkenworth undertook an archaeological survey of a forest on the outskirts of the city of Yarnum. What they found exceeded their expectations. Yarnum was built above a vast underground labyrinth that predated the city by thousands of years. Exploring the labyrinth, the scholars discovered that they were not alone. Pale human figures and strange animals roamed the corridors. Needing protection from the creatures of the labyrinth, Birkenworth sought out help from the people of Yarnum. Already well acquainted with these beasts, Yarnum had long ago established a guild of beast hunters led by a one-legged man called German and his apprentice, a foreign noblewoman called Maria. Under the protection of the hunters of Yarnum, the Birkenworth scholars explored the labyrinth, plundering the ancient graves for relics and knowledge. Believing that the bodies of the labyrinth inhabitants would aid in the research, Birkenworth also brought back the remains of their dead, with blood still fresh. The blood of the people of the labyrinth exhibited unique properties. Willem saw what the Tamarians had done, and remembered the words of Tyra Banks, Take from the best and make it your own. So Bergenworth began transfusing the blood into human test subjects, causing unpredictable metamorphosis of their bodies and minds. In this metamorphosis, Willem saw the means to control the future of humanity, evolving himself and others into higher forms of life. However, to properly control the blood, more research would be required into its properties. Prohibiting further experimentation with the blood, Willem sent the scholars and the hunters deeper into the labyrinth, searching for signs of unknown, unseen creatures that may hold the key. Unearthing and upturning the graves, the Birkenworth expedition came upon a variety of strange invertebrates that, upon contact, induced altered mental states. Some scholars reported hearing the strange invertebrates talk to them when they picked them up. I cannot tell a lie. If you ask nicely, a Brutus will appear, but you need to give him a baby. You can meet him in person, but if you can't, you can 
talk to him on Skype. Willem believed that this expansion of human consciousness would eventually allow them to control the changes brought about by the blood, and referred to his growing enlightenment as eyes on the inside. However, the changes brought about by the invertebrates were not powerful enough on their own, and Willem sought other forms of life to study. The Bergenworth researchers later heard stories of an isolated fishing village on the coast near Yarnum, where the inhabitants were said to worship a being called Kos as their god. Believing that Kos may have been one of the advanced beings who once ruled the labyrinth, Willem demanded that Kos be found and studied. German himself accompanied the scholars to the village, where they were welcomed by the inhabitants who had taken in the blood and begun to transform into sea creatures. On the coast, the snail-like priestesses beckoned Kos from the ocean, and from underwater rose a huge hybrid of half-woman, half-fish, and half-squid. On the orders of Willem, German drew his scythe and sliced Kaz open, killing her. Kaz, we have beckoned, and Kaz is dead. Forgive us and curses upon the fiends. A massacre followed. The bodies of the villagers slain by the hunters were dissected and studied by the scholars, with samples taken back to Bergenworth. Most valuable to Willem was the remains of Kaz herself, who had been pregnant. Her baby taken, mother is dead. Her baby taken, scales are suffering the grief of cause. Do you hear it? A sealless void, the lair of beasts, where the blood crazed roam. The body of her child was returned to Birkenworth. The raid left many of the hamlet's residents and their guardian great one, Kaz, dead. In retribution, the remaining villagers laid a curse of blood upon the hunters and their descendants. Bagenwas, Bagenwand, blasphemous murderers, blood-crazed fiends, atonement for the wretches by the wrath of Mother Kaz. Mercy for the poor wizard child. Mercy. Let the pungence of cause cling like a mother's devotion. Lay the curse of blood upon them and their children and their children's children forevermore.
the spirit of cause would not abandon her child and reached out for its remains. Holding the child's umbilical cord close, Willem could faintly hear the voice of Koss and feel her presence grasping at the cord. With time, the scholars of Bergenworth became more attuned to the voice from the umbilical cord. Among the scholars were Willem's protege, Lawrence, a young student called Mikolash, and Rom a woman who developed a profound and sympathetic connection to the presence of cause. Willem came to believe that Rom's rapidly transforming consciousness held the key to the mastery over the blood. Following the invertebrates into the deepest level of the labyrinth, the scholars began conducting a ritual as they imbibed the blood and prayed for the blessing of cause. As the presence of cause reached out for the cord, the scholars' bodies began to transform into the invertebrate creatures of the labyrinth. Ram's body twisted into a vast spider, and her transforming consciousness reached out to the cosmos, but could not grasp it. Her mind shattered. The experiment had failed to control the blood, but had proven to Willem that such a thing was possible. Privately, Mikolash cursed Rom, believing he should have been chosen for the ritual. Meanwhile, Lawrence's ambitions grew. Seeing what the blood had done, Lawrence abandoned Willem, taking Mikolash and the hunters with him. Arriving in Yarnum, Lawrence offered Yarnumites the blood, and the city became his new laboratory. Knowing that Yarnum would fall victim to the blood's effects, Willem ordered his servants to ensure that nobody could ever return to Bergenworth, with one guarding the gate to Yarnum and the other guarding the forest. In Bergenworth, the research continued fruitlessly for years. One umbilical cord was not enough. More great ones would need to be hunted and their children taken. A second ritual was organized, this time seeking to make contact with the outer regions of the cosmos where the Great Ones dwelled. The scholars reached out and took hold of an alien mountain floating in the Sea of Mist. But they could not draw it toward them. Instead, they were drawn toward it and were ripped from the earth and cast adrift into emptiness. Lawrence and Mikolash fared no better. Tell me, what's going on with Lawrence? Uh, long story short, Lawrence now headless beast, mass human sacrifice, moon descending, city in ruins. And Mikolash? Ooh. Oh, fuck. For the first time since her abandonment, the mind of Rom perceived something with clarity. In Yarnum was another ritual and another umbilical cord. A red moon descended over the city, 
turning the sky the color of a pale corpse drained of blood, transforming the inhabitants and sending the survivors mad. Focusing on the descending moon, Rom placed herself in its path, holding it back and preventing the ritual's completion. Willem knows his time is short. With his college in ruins and his work unfinished, he retires to his lunarium, gazing at the moonlight reflected in the lake and listening for the voices of the Great Ones. <laughs>